Señor. Bless you. He promised. He promised. He promised he'd take care of me. And he's been true to his word. He's been faithful. My God. My God. I couldn't, I couldn't even begin to start naming people who've been so good, so supportive. If I said we had a service at five o'clock in the morning, wow. I get there and they be there. Faithful. Faithful. They go all the way to Mumford, Alabama with you. Preaching revivals. Faithful. Faithful. Get off work running, trying to get to the church. Faithful. I heard Clyde Beverly say at his retirement then that he had been pastoring some folk for 32 years and they wouldn't let him be their pastor. And I didn't understand how that could be the case. Now I have a different perspective. Now I have a different perspective that folk have to let you into their lives. So for those of you who've had the courage to let me peek into your personal, God bless you. It's here. It's here. I don't play with folks' business. I'm so grateful that you've let me celebrate with you, mourn with you. And I'm so glad you've done that with me. But I came today to tell you something. I started out that day with one thing in mind, and that was to be faithful to the call that Jesus Christ had given to me. I understood about placements. I had been in the United States Army. I knew about being assigned somewhere. I also knew that in 1989, I finished my officer's basic course at Fort Polk. I mean, at, uh, at Fort Polk, Louisiana. I'm sorry. I'm sorry in Virginia, Charlottesville at the United States Army JAG School, and we put in requests to be somewhere. I didn't really have any place that I wanted to be in particular, to be honest with you. The only request that I had was that we be near a place that had a major university near it so Karen could continue to go to school. What they missed on that one, <laughs> They sent me to Fort Polk, Louisiana. Nearest university was 50 miles away. That didn't help us, but I went there and I worked hard and I realized that being in that place gave me the opportunity to do some things that I never could have done had I gone somewhere else. First of all, because of its isolation, it made me work. 
made me work. And I worked 16 hour days for a few years. But it also gave me the opportunity to do some things that I would not have had to do. And I love the way, and I'm glad that Robert John is here right now because he can testify to this, because he's been there. He was a deacon with me when I left, 45th, when I left First Baptist. He was a deacon when I accepted my call. And he knows that I left my home church when it was without a pastor. It's a church I'm still a member of. It was without a pastor. And never at any time did the Lord tell me to put my name in to be the pastor of that church. Folk told me to do that. People told me to put my name in. But the Lord never told me to put my name in. And this is the place I did put my name in. The Lord marries people together the way he wants them to be. I never could have been the kind of pastor at First Baptist that you've allowed me to be here. Never. Never. It would not have happened. They would not have allowed me to do the, the things you've trusted me to do. And I'm not, I'm not being facetious when I say that. I would have just been done ill over there. That's all. Just done here. It would have taken them a long time to elevate me to Reverend Sparks. But, but from day one, you elevated me to Reverend Sparks. From the day I got here, Odery Jenkins joined the church. Let me be Reverend Sparks, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for the counsel I've gotten from some old wise deacons, some who are not here anymore, who, would, who didn't think it wrong to sit a young pastor down. And give him a piece of advice. And I received it. But I'm here today with the same commitment that I've had. For 16 years and that's what I came to say today I kept telling folk what if I got something I want to say that's why I don't want to invite anybody I want to say something this year and 10 years in a row I've had someone come to celebrate this day and lead you and talk to you but this year just a little bit different I want to talk to you and the passage of scripture could have been the same scripture from that first Sunday I didn't pick it but it's from Romans chapter 1 Two, two verses. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. If you know it, you're going to shout when I tell you. It's Paul writing. Paul writing, he starts out his message to the church, teaching them how to be believers and how to walk worthy of this calling in this book that's called the Constitution of the Bible. He gets down to the 16th verse and he writes these words, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by 
by faith. I, I don't have any doubt that these verses, these two short verses, probably represent the best, the greatest summary of the gospel that's ever been written by man. Because Paul clearly, clearly declares in these two verses the power of God and the purpose of the gospel message. And that's what church is. Now, we wrap ourselves around the fellowship that comes together, but the power of God and the purpose of God's salvation for us is what we should be about all the time. We get lost sometimes on things that don't matter. We put a whole lot of weight in stuff that does not make, doesn't make sense, but it's the power of God that we ought to be talking about. That's the purpose of the gospel message. And Paul's statements about the gospel start in a strange way. First, he tells the, the readers that, he said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are at, in Rome. In verse 15. And then, after he makes that declaration, he stands there and tells them flat-footed, and that, but I'm not afraid or ashamed of the gospel. So he's preaching to the folk in front of them, but then he feels like he has to step back and let them know without a doubt, this is where I stand. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm ready to preach to you and tell you what it's all about. Now, why would anybody be ashamed of the gospel message? You know folk who are ashamed of the gospel message. You know folk who are ashamed to let anybody know that they belong to the Lord. But in order, I've told you before, in order to understand this message from Paul, you first have to put this message into the proper cultural context that he came from. Then you'll understand where Paul was when he made that statement. I'm going to give you four quick reasons that Paul might have made that statement or did make that statement that he is not ashamed of the gospel. First of all, you need to look at the moral decay that was existing in Rome at that time. The conditions in Rome were horrible. Nero was the emperor of Rome at that time. He was a wicked and degenerate man. Hello, Washington, D.C. He was absolutely a horrible, despicable man. The city of Rome was a cesspool of sin and wicked living. And the gospel that was preached by Paul, he came to folk demanding that they repent of sin, that they live a holy and a godly life was diametrically opposed to everything that Rome stood for at that time. So he comes in preaching A, but everybody there is living Z. He's at the complete end of the alphabet. That creates problems. Not only were conditions bad, how about the fact that he was a Jew? He wasn't of them, and yet he comes in teaching them how to, and telling them how to live right. The Jews were considered a subhuman race. Less than, less than other folk. Anybody in here black? We've been treated the same way for a long time. People have always considered us less than other folk. And so even if we come telling them what's right, 
they look at us crazy because it's coming from us. Not about what we say, but who the messenger is. And so we've always had to get past that. And Paul had the same problem, the gospel message that originated in and rose out of a Jewish culture and Jewish background. People who were not Jews would have been hesitant to hear such a message. Now we know for a fact that in this country, even though we preach gospel, they have tried to hide the gospel from us for so long, giving us half a Bible and not letting us go to church, not letting us congregate together. And still the power of the gospel has risen up in us so much that it's still the foundation of who we are in, in our community. If you got folk who in this community who black, who don't know who God is, then they don't know their own history. They don't know how good God has been to us, anybody that looks and thinks that it's education that brought us here. No, 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 no. It had not been for God on our side. None of us, none of us would be here. So not only was Rome horrible, not only was Paul a Jew, but the message that Paul preached was incredible and, and, and just beyond belief. God, he's preaching about a man who was a god, who was born of a virgin, who lived and was crucified for sins he did not commit, and then was resurrected. Anybody have to be counted out of their mind to just believe that if it were not for the power of God. And yet that's what he preached. And who better to know that message than him since he had worked so hard to suppress that message at one point in his life, that's what Paul did. Tried to get rid of those who believed in the gospel message. And so to many people, the claims of the gospel were just too bizarre. So you got a wicked place to live in. You got a messenger that not everybody wants to hear from who's telling a message that's absolutely incredible. And then everywhere he went, this Paul was subject to hostile treatment and in fact, almost was killed so many times. Watch this. He had been imprisoned in Philippi, chased out of Thessalonica, smuggled out of Berea, mocked when he went to Athens to preach. He had been called a fool in Corinth, stoned in Galatia, and yet, yet this same Paul didn't have a problem standing in front of everybody saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might try to kill me, but you won't shut me up. I'm going to keep on telling you about Jesus Christ. And so now that I've given you just a little insight into why somebody might have been ashamed, why wasn't Paul? Why? Why wasn't Paul? Why wasn't he afraid? What do we know about Paul that makes him so powerful? so keen on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. What was it about the gospel that invigorated him after all these years, after all he had been through, after snake bites and shipwrecks and all those things? What is it about him that makes him keep on preaching? It's because he knows the secret that you ought to know. And I want you to not leave today without understanding why it's possible for preachers to get up and keep preaching even though folk act like they ain't listening. 
I want you to know why pastors keep coming to folk houses when they get the door slammed in their faces and when folk keep ignoring them. I want you to understand what's driving folk that keep us going. Even though we don't know if you care or not, we still keep coming, still keep preaching, still keep loving. What is it about the gospel message that makes us get up anyway, go visit anyway, preach anyway? And it's because we know the secret. We know the secret. First of all, my commission wasn't from this church. It was from Jesus Christ. It was, and that's what I learned in the military. It doesn't matter where they send you. Just be mindful of who sent you. And it was, I was sent here by the Lord. I stand firmly convinced. If I had not been sent here by the Lord, then somebody could have sent me away from here. But the Lord is the one who sent me, and he'll keep me. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing that makes a difference. Because that means I can say the things that I need to say. That means I can talk about the things and preach and teach the things that need to be preached and taught without fear of what anybody might say. You might not like it, but you need to take that up with the man who sent me here. That's what it means. But the first thing Paul would have you to know is that the gospel that we preach is marked by a sovereign power. Sovereign power. There's a song y'all sing, my God is sovereign. That means he's in charge. He doesn't have to answer to anybody else. There's no counsel he has to take in order to do whatever he wants to do. And that's the power that marks what we, what we preach. Power. Power is a mighty force. Think about this. God could have revealed his power in many ways. He could have shown that he was in charge of the universe. He could have shown that he was in charge of everything that existed in a whole lot of ways. He can do whatever he wants to do, and yet he exercised his power in sending men, watch this, watch this, almost whisper, the gospel. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. But he sent us the gospel, and he gave it to us in portions that we have to share with other people. He made it such that we can keep it to ourselves. We have to share the gospel with other folk. Nowhere is the power of God as visible as in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The one who was willing to come and to die for us. Think about it now. God takes a lost sinner, saves him by his grace, and then he makes him a new creature. Somebody in here acting like I ain't talking about them when I say that. You sitting up here listening like that wasn't you who were a lost sinner who God took, and now he's made a whole new something out of you. You hadn't always been what you are right now. Yeah, you hadn't always been on the straight and narrow. God had to take you and reform you, remake you, so that you are now your righteous self. In fact, you've been your righteous self so long, you forgot when you were unrighteous. You think I'm talking about somebody else? I'm talking about why owe you? That's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel will give you holy amnesia. 
Yeah, you act like you've been solid all your life. I know you haven't because I remember when we were out there together. And the last thing we talked about was Jesus. Yeah, the power of the gospel is marked by sovereign power. You know, it wasn't your parents' directions that made you do right. It wasn't your friends' directions that made you do right. Nothing you read in a book told you you ought to live right. It had to be something special, and I'm telling you, it wasn't until you got the Word of God up in you that you started changing your life and doing and living different. And sometimes, even now, we struggle keeping it in the straight and narrow, and yet the power of the God has a way of jerking us back into line when we act up. Sovereign, sovereign power. Watch this, watch this. There's some things that people lean on these days that don't have that, that kind of power. Yeah, the gospel of Christ is what I'm talking about. It's powerful. We have to preach the gospel of Christ. People are preaching other things. And people are following them when they preach it. People are following the gospel of religion. And religion says you can just turn over a new leaf. Yeah, but you and I both know that if you follow the gospel of religion and turn over a new leaf, it's wicked too. On the other side, the gospel of religion, see somebody missed that. I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about relationship. There's a difference in religion and relationship. Relationship is what you get with Jesus Christ. Religion is what you get when you just go to other churches and you get mad and you go to a, that's what you get. I know. I struggle. I struggle. There's the gospel of materialism. That's the gospel that says that your worth is determined by what you have. In other words, if you gain in life, it's because God's blessing you. And if you don't gain in life, you must be doing something that God ain't finding favor in. How many of y'all know it's some poor righteous folk? They never gonna have that house on the hill. Oh, but they got a mansion in glory that God has prepared for them. Then there's the gospel of liberalism. This is really crushing us right now. It says that I'm okay and, 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 and you okay too. And, and God will accept us like we are and take us to heaven if there is a heaven. That's that gospel of liberalism. You can mix in a little Buddha and Yoda, yoga and everything else. and That's just being, there's no foundation to it. Then there's the gospel of society that says you can do as you please, whatever you please, because life is short. But Paul's message was different. And Paul said flatly, Jarvis, that you are a sinner. Not only are you a sinner, he said if you die in your sins, you will go to hell. That doesn't read real well today. No headlines going to show up on AL.com that make that message clear to everyone. And yet, it's the most important news you can have 
in your life that you are a sinner and that God loves you so much that he sent his only son into this world and that son, Jesus, died for you and was resurrected with all power. That's the sovereign power that we're talking about. And if you don't know about that, you'll continue to struggle. But that's why Paul could preach without fear, because he knew the sovereign power. It's a simple message. We complicate it by lies. So not only is the gospel marked by sovereign power, it's also marked by singular purpose. Sovereign power marked by singular purpose, and that is to save sinners. That's it. That's why God gave up his son. That's why he let him die on the cross. Because he loves us. Because he wants to be in fellowship and relationship with us. And that's why the gospel message is called salvation. Because he came to save us. The word salvation means to put us in a place of safety. A place of preservation. A place of deliverance. And in fact, this is the problem. It carries the notion that I'm coming to rescue you from danger. You ever seen somebody in danger and don't know it? They are living in danger and don't realize it. You've seen it. You've seen somebody about to step off a curb into traffic and don't know it and folk got to stop them. Well, some of you are about to step off the curb of eternity. And somebody shouting to tell you, watch out, there's a train coming. A train is coming. And if you're not mindful, you'll find yourself spending eternity away from the love of God. So not only is it a sovereign power with a singular purpose to rescue and save you, the plan is simple. It's a simple plan. Simple plan. Everybody say, everybody that believeth. Everybody that believeth. That's the plan. For everyone who believes in the power of God's salvation can have eternal life. We complicate it, but it's not any more complicated than that. Not only is it sovereign power with a simple, singular purpose, with a simple plan, but it also is covered by a solemn pledge. Solemn pledge that Paul talked to the folks about, says that it's for not only everybody in the world, that nobody's beyond reach. No one. We have trouble understanding that because of how we categorize sins. We say that this person can't ever go to heaven. And I'm so glad that folk down here don't have no heaven to send nobody to. I'm so thankful not only that they don't have a heaven to send folk to, I'm also glad that they don't have a hell to send folk to. Because some folk, some folk will put you in hell just because they don't like you. Some folk will put you in hell just because they got the power to do it. They'll misuse it and not think any more about it. But I'm so glad that he's reserved the power 
to do that for himself. It's a solemn pledge, and the pledge of the gospel is that anybody who hears it, who sees the need of salvation and comes to Jesus Christ by faith will be saved by God's precious grace. That's the solemn pledge that you and I need to know. And there's no devil in hell and nobody on earth that can prevent you from getting that. And I love this because people get confused on this. Don't let this trip you. In the Bible it says first to the Jew and then to the Greek. Well, he was preaching primarily to the folk in his community at that time. All he said was, I got to preach to my homeboys first. And when I get through preaching to my homeboys, I'm going to make sure that everybody else in the world knows, don't be tripped up by that. Because if that were the case, you and I could never have received this promise. And, and, and after they dealt with those Jews for thousands of years, the grace of God was abundant enough to overflow to everyone who believed. And so not only is that gospel marked by sovereign power and a singular purpose with a simple plan, followed up with a solemn pledge, I love this, it's got a supreme payoff. Oh, there's a supreme payoff. The gospel is marked by a supreme payoff. The product of the gospel in the life of a believer is called righteousness. We've been studying this in Bible study. We've been talking about Abram. And we love the fact that when we teach about Abram, and you should know this, you should take this to your heart, that Abram was a good man. And God loved him, but he wasn't a perfect man. Too often we think that righteousness and perfection are the same thing, and they're not. They're not. The Lord gave Abram a gift, and that was, he said, Abram, I want you to get up and I want you to go to this land. And Abram heard what the Lord said, and the Bible is clear, and he believed. And it's that faith that God counted as righteousness. It wasn't that he was perfect. It wasn't that he did everything he was supposed to do. But when God spoke, guess what? He believed. And I came to tell you today that God doesn't expect you to get everything right every single time. But he does expect you to listen to him when he's talking to you. He expects you to heed him when he calls. And Abram showed up so many times in the right way. Now, he messed up too. But I, I dare you to find one patriarch of the Bible who was faithful in everything. You can give me a list of them and I can tell you where they messed up. And yet God still loved every one of them. And guess what? I'm so glad about the fact that God doesn't require me to be perfect. I'm going to keep on messing up. In 16 years, I've messed up plenty. But when he said, Andre, get up and go, I went. And I'm going to keep on going as long as he tells me to. Now the question is, what about you? Not only, brother, it's today my anniversary as the pastor. Today y'all's anniversary too. Because not every church can keep a pastor for 16 years. So somebody ought to be shouting and saying, the Lord has helped us to do what we need to do in order to take care of business at 45th Street. I'm so thankful that he's been faithful to me. But not just because he brought me here. I'm so thankful that he's been faithful to me. Not just he helped me to do what I need to do from the pulpit. He's been faithful to me because he sent his son Jesus to die for me. 
Oh, he did. He did. He did it for me. He did. He sent Jesus Christ for me. He sent him just for me, but just for you too. You ought to be able to claim that salvation personally and then share it with everybody you know about. He died for me. And I'm so glad he didn't, he didn't stay, he didn't stay dead. So my question, Cass, is are you trusting the gospel of Christ? Have you trusted him for your salvation? But not only that, are you sharing the gospel of Christ? Like Paul did. My last question is, are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Isn't it amazing that God would take the most important message the world has ever heard and place it into the hands of a sinner? He would take the most powerful word that you can give anybody and entrust it to Donnell from Elanian City and expect him to go out and tell folks what a good God he is and what a loving son he sent. And guess what? He's entrusting you with the word too. He loves us. Do you love him? Have you accepted him? What does the phrase faith to faith mean? simply means the fact that a believer's life is to be one of faith in God. And as I lead, lead my life and live my life every day in faith, then the righteousness that God has allowed in me is revealed from the beginning faith to somebody else's faith. And one day God's going to validate my faith by giving me that reward. What about you? Somebody here just learned that Jesus Christ died for him. Somebody here just heard that Jesus Christ not only died for him, but somebody here just heard that Jesus Christ was resurrected for them. And if today is your day and you've been looking for a place to have your way and your say and to grow, then I strongly suggest that you try if today is the day that you heard that Jesus Christ came all the way to earth and now is all the way back in heaven and he's there advocating for you, today you want to give your life to him like these four babies did this morning, then I extend an invitation to you and invite you to come on right now. The leaders of the church are coming to welcome you. And while they do, the choir is going to stand and sing, and whosoever will, let them come right now. The doors of our church are wide, wide open. Whosoever will, let them come right now.